0: what a morning it has been when there's something wrong in the life of the church you are vocal you complain so when it's amazing Don't be fake I mean um, we are We are two Sundays out from wrapping up our, our series that we've done on Ephesians and I was kind of thinking as the what, what would be the phrase to describe what Ephesians is about? What would be the one phrase and for me it was the it's, it's Solus Christus in, in Christ alone it's everything 37 times it says in Christ everything is in Christ so when we speak about the the walking in the gifting the fivefold gifting you have to be in Christ else it's worldly based and it's powerless when we speak about um, life within a family children submitting to their parents it's it's in Christ it cannot be an abomination of a family and you force your children to be submitted to that chaos it's it's in Christ alone Marriage, in Christ alone, its everything has to be in Christ. If it's outside of Christ, it's a mess. If it's inside of Christ, it's not a mess, but it's not easier. In Christ does not mean an easy life. On the contrary, it should be, I'm willing to lay down my stuff and pick it up. His burden is light, but the cross is real. Somebody came to me this morning and said, A declaration needs to be made that it's only Jesus Christ who is King. Over this church. Only Jesus Christ is king over the city. Only Jesus Christ is king over Missouri. Only Jesus Christ is king over the USA. So, if that does not become a reality to you, you are going to become politically driven. Remember, vote with your brain, not with your heart. The heart is corrupt. My title this morning, The Battle Is Real, But So Is My God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you and I pray that as I speak this morning, may uh, our ears be open to hear what the Spirit of God says. May our ears be open to hear what the South African accent has to say. May we grow in you and because of the privilege of having the Word of God read over us, We will walk out here different, changed, excited, ignited, and ready for whatever it is that you have for us. I will be different when I leave here today because God's word will impact my life. I pray this over every person listening to this online and in person. And like I said, we declare this in Jesus' name. God's saints agreed with me by saying, Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Where is our strength? in Christ alone put on the whole armor of God that you may be able now you might think this is deja vu because Christy did such an amazing job last week she covered the first half and I'm covering the second half of the armor but we're going back put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil some translations speak about the schemes of the devil as much as Jeremiah tells us the Lord your God you know it speaks about God I know the plans I have for your plans to prosper you not to harm you All these beautiful plans this scripture tells us that the devil has schemes and plans for us as well therefore we wear armor for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand I'm going to touch really quickly on, and literally just bounce off this, but there are four levels, depths, realms when it comes to spiritual dark things. It's principalities, it's against powers, it's against rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Your fight is real because the demonic realm is real. I know we get uncomfortable when it comes to the demonic. Well, a lot of people do. Generally, in this church, they don't. We're like, oh, let's get rid of them. But the demonic realm is real, and demons in the church, it's real. And you don't go, well, that church has demons in them, and, and so I've got a problem with them. We go, no, demons are manifesting in that church because Jesus is there. That's what's supposed to happen. You will shut up if you manifest because Jesus teaches us that as well. He says, be quiet. My Bible says, shut up. I have a a South African translation. I'm going to read this, Luke 11, to you. You can read with me now. He was casting out a demon that was mute. I love this statement because the demon was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. The demon was mute. Goes a bit too. I'm not going to do a teaching on the origin of demons. Because demons are not fallen angels because fallen angels do not need a body to live in demons do they need to live in a body they will live in animals I, I believe mostly in cats no 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 is Lydia a cat person that she's leaving so uh, try and baptize a cat in water and it will manifest so go home take your cat or your neighbor's cat baptize them and film it and put it hashtag not Dayspring church um Demons live in people and in animals. We see that in Scripture. They go and they live in the pigs for a while and then the pigs lose their minds and they go down the cliff and they go swimming. Uh, Which I love that. I don't know if you've ever seen the parallel there. Jesus drowns the pigs in the same water that the devil tried to drown the disciples in. Read the book. It's all in there. Anyway verse 21 so let's go and they all marveled verse 15 but some of them said he casts out demons by beelzebul the prince of demons so whenever there's a demonic fight and we see deliverance the world always gets worried the religious spirit goes i oh, know that deliverance thing it's not real it's a religious spirit so if you're going the deliverance thing isn't real you need to go for deliverance verse 21 Jesus explains this when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace his goods are safe but when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none it says I will return to my house from which I came and when it comes it finds the house swept and put in order Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into the reality. Why do they wander in waterless places? I'm not going to go into that now. Uh, I'm not going to say, ask the question, why doesn't the demon just go and fetch seven more of his buddies in the first place? Have you ever thought of that? Why didn't he just... I'm not going to get into that this morning. We will do a, a kind of a deliver us from evil preach a series. Maybe we'll do it on the Sunday evenings with the training time. I don't want to ever spend mornings focused on what the devil does because my focus is always on King Jesus. So I, we, we can stand here the whole morning and I can tell you about the water displaces and where the demons come from and, what the, and we'll get that as teaching. This morning, because we've got such a general congregation, I don't know how long you've been saved. I don't, want, I don't know what your understanding is. I want to take everything this morning, all the time I have, the energy that I have available, and I want to have that all focused on Jesus and who He is and how we get to live in Him. I'm not giving the enemy airtime, time, but I will say this to you. The fight is real. And as much as it isn't against flesh and blood, you're still fighting your addictions. You're still fighting your broken relationships. You're dealing with your family chaos. Sickness is destroying your family. There are diseases that are ripping you apart. And it's within the physical realm when you say that the battle is not flesh and blood it's not saying that our battle is not bound in flesh and blood it's that we don't address the flesh and blood we address it on a spiritual level first I don't address it in the physical then take it to the spiritual realm when that doesn't work I have to understand that the attack of the enemy is real but at the same time the attack of the enemy is spiritual wanting to manifest in the physical but my focus must be King Jesus I'm not a demon hunter Do you have a tattoo that says otherwise? That's between me and the enemy. A great, one of our greatest dangers is having the enemy distract us. The enemy can distract us with sickness and disease and chaos in our families, but the enemy just wants our focus off Jesus. Our enemy just wants our course off. The focus. He just wants us just five degrees off every week, a little bit more, a little bit more, and is not pursuing the destiny that God has for us. So I can never listen to the voice of the enemy. So I don't spend my life trying to get to know the devil. I make sure I know authentic Jesus. You must have heard this before, but when the, when the law enforcement agencies that specialize in fraudulent currency they don't spend their lives investigating how all the different fake notes are produced and what they feel like. They spend their lives getting to know the authentic $100 bill, the most um, replicated fake, you know, fake note produced. They, they know the authentic note so well that if it's not the authentic note, as soon as they touch it, they know that it's not the authentic note. Our focus is Jesus. So when Paul lists these things of, this is what our fight is against, he's saying, guys, that's what our fight is against. But the focus is Jesus. Now we have a deliverance ministry team that focuses, their ministry is, getting it out of you. Well, Christians can't have demons. Well, if the house cannot be empty, because else the demon comes back with seven of its friends what must the house be full of the holy spirit only christians have the holy spirit filling them i'll leave that with you their focus is not the demonic their focus is seeing you walk in freedom our battle is not flesh and blood a whole lot of powers principalities forces of darkness and powers in the air It's not my focus friends sickness in your family is not the focus. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, over that is the focus. But then He says this. In Ephesians 6 verse 14, He's listed all these things. Therefore, whenever we see therefore in Scripture, we're saying, because of the statement made, I will now give a counter argument or a reason for it. Our battle is not flesh and blood. These four levels of the demonic realm therefore so he says this is the challenge this is the solution so before you become a, an uber for demons therefore stand having your having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace an incredible teaching from last week go and listen to the teaching that Christy Harris did last week it's it, it's excellent then he says above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one take the helmet of salvation the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God praying always how often anyway always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit people always think there are seven parts to the armor of God but we leave this one out praying in the spirit is part of the armor of God that we often neglect because it makes us feel uncomfortable I can walk around in the church with my Bible. I can have faith. I can have truth. I can have righteousness. Let's let's pray in tongues. Oh, no, I have friends. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, and that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I just want to say one thing part of the armor of God is you praying for the other saints and the leaders in the church that you attend there is no part of the armor of God that involves you gossiping if you're going to speak about someone speak to Jesus about them I'm not preaching on that but if Let's get into the shield of faith. We we learn about these things, you know, there'll be kids ministry and if you're in Sunday school, they teach you the shield and the sword and they'll make, you'll have shields made out of tin foil and it'll be cool and helmets of salvation and it's really fun. Um, But I want to speak about the reality of how this applies to my life. If there's this shield of faith, how do I use it? How does this work? Because I have this, look at the Roman soldiers, Shield is about two and a half feet wide and four feet high, and you you never use the the shield when you're at when you by yourself unless you suddenly get into an attack. But what they would do, they'd stand side by side, and on the leader's command, they would take a step forward and they take they take territory. They go forward and they take territory. They go forward and nope. <laughs> But there's something interesting if you look at the shield and when you, when you look at Hebrews and it speaks about it, it's the faith. It's faith is the assurance of things hoped for. I believe the shield of faith is something that, I don't want to say cower because it sounds cowardly, but I'm saying that faith is something that in a time of attack, while the fiery darts are coming, and I don't think little lawn darts, think spears, during the time of the attack is you sit behind your shield and you weather the storm, Behind the shield of faith. It's faith, is, it's the things hoped for that I cannot see because only a stupid soldier sits behind the shield going. Faith. It's the things hoped for, not seen, because I'm going to sit behind the shield of faith while the darts come flying, and I'm not going to look at what God's busy doing to help me fight this battle. I'm not going to peek to see what the enemy's up to. I'm going to sit behind the shield with my friends and go, in faith, Christ Jesus, the hope of my salvation, I'm going to trust that my faith is in, in Christ. You cannot have faith outside of Christ. It's not wishful thinking. It's not, I hope it goes well. You're in trouble but behind the shield of faith and the enemy comes and the enemy comes and the enemy comes. I don't know what's happening on the other side. I don't need to know. You don't need to know what's on the other side as you're fighting a sickness. You don't need to know what's happening on the other side of financial breakthrough. But if I can have faith, I'm going, and it's head down behind the shoulder going, Jesus, I can't see a thing, absolutely nothing. But I know that my faith is the assurance that I've got my faith in you, in Jesus, the absolute, the commander. And the enemy will come at you. And you'll feel it don't peek your head around it to see what's happening but it's so much easier show me what to do why I like this faith forsaking all I trust him forsaking all I trust him can we make it more obvious position behind this shield when we, when we speak about this helmet of salvation in, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.8 it is 1 Thessalonians 5.8 it speaks about the helmet of the hope of our salvation the helmet of salvation is the hope that we find in our salvation we need to have a mindset change the word says be transformed by the renewing of your mind the helmet of salvation needs to represent something that our thinking has to be different the hope that I carry in my salvation has to ripple all the way through into my life if I pray a prayer and I know that a prayer as Daniel did it this morning I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart I am saved I pray healing over a person I have to have the same level of faith for the person to be healed that I have when I'm praying to be saved. Mustard seed. But there's something about our minds need to change. Christians need to be optimistic. We have to be optimistic. Oh, my Savior's on the cross. No, he got off, but he's still on the cross. He got off the cross. My Savior's dead. He's alive. There's a whole weekend. Even the... Oh, I'm so happy Jesus is alive. Are you in an, having an argument with him? No, my king rules and reigns. I trust him for everything, my provision. Praise Jesus. We need to have such a different disposition when it comes to the way we respond to things, because our king is victor. We're in a battle, but I'm in Christ. At least look happy the word gospel is means good news I'm an ambassador of the best hair growth products in the world I have a product that will make the hair on your head be thick wavy and luscious would you buy that product from me No. No. So, how do we present the good news when it looks like we've been vaccinated with lemon juice? The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm so happy. Why will I smile? Do you laugh at me? Our eternal, living hope, Jesus Christ, who lives in me, needs to have an effect on the way I see things, on the way I respond to things. It speaks in Scripture about our eternal hope. Well, I hope I die soon. At least I'm done with this place. My life with Christ has begun now. If I'm not walking with Him now, who am I walking with? Have you ever spent time with somebody who's really super happy and excited? Drains the life out of me. went to a museum in Holland with a friend of mine that wanted to show me everything. Now in Holland, they have nothing else except water, Dutchmen, uh, and museums. And I know some of you are watching me. You know who you are. Oh, they really are. Chippy, this is for you. We go to a museum. We have to go to every single item and read that little. What do you find on your teeth? Black. You've got to read it and think about it. And he's just so excited. I, I'm, I'm not excited about it, but because I'm with him, going. Okay. that's extraordinary. You mean this is a chair, one that you can sit on? This is amazing. My life is forever changed. Let's go to the next one. Oh, my gosh, this is another one. There's a set of eight of them. My life has been fulfilled. Thank you, Jesus. He's so excited. I walk out there. There's $4,000 that we just spent to go in. there. It was amazing. Thank you. When you, spend, when you spend time with people that are excited about something, you should have the same level of excitement. But if you're going to spend time with the enemy that's going to vomit over you, you're going to walk out thinking of vomit and responding accordingly. Three, two, one, smile. We'll work on the hypnosis part. The helmet is for transforming us. We should be transformed we have to look and be different to the world I respond differently I'm optimistic oh well the world is going down the toilet when was it on the toilet seat we have these statements that get made I live with such optimism I do and then people you know you have people that will find a cloud for every silver lining the more you focus on that the less your focus is on the victorious one our focus has to be on the victorious one and our minds will be transformed that's what the helmet does the sword speaks about the Word of God you should know the Word of God you should be reading the Bible ever so slightly but I want to tell you something interesting I found it very interesting about a Roman sword that's different to most of the other other soldiers that the guys would fight um, so a sword's designed, it has a, a handle. Then it has a guard across it, right? A guard. Then it has the blade. What the Romans did is they never had the guard, the part that protects the soldier's hands, they removed that. So that, and it, it's really stupid because if you're in a in a sword fight or any conflict, what, what normally happens is the other sword will run down and then sever your fingers or... your wrist which you don't want but what the Romans had figured out and they'd been doing it for 350 years when Paul was writing this is the sword was designed that you could have your shield up and you could get your sword past and attack the enemy without the guard hooking on your shield or your friend's shield they'd even have small cutouts in their in their shield so they could get the sword through You can sit with all the faith in the world, but if you do not know your weapon, the enemy will just keep on crushing you, keep on crushing you, keep on crushing you. Too many Christians are trying to weather the season in faith alone as opposed to knowing the word of God, the promises of God, that you can actually take some territory back on the odd occasion as well. The sword is for fighting. The Bible is an aggressive book. It's a super aggressive book. I, I, I love reading, the it's it's war stories, it's epic. Jesus says to his disciples, they're going to the garden, they're going to go to a prayer meeting. He says to them, how many swords, how many knives do you have? If you don't have enough, sell one of your garments, go and buy more weapons. The guys come and say, we have two blades. Jesus says, that should be enough. What for? Did he want to make sure they had a good enough blade that they could cut the ear off a centurion perhaps? I don't know. But have you read the story of Ehud? E-H-U-D. E-H-U-D. Go and read that story. It is the story of an incredible soldier that does a crazy thing for the kingdom. The Bible is an aggressive book against the enemy. And it's the most encouraging thing you'll ever read. But if you're not getting it in, you don't know how to use your sword, the enemy's going to take you apart. You can have all the faith that you want, but if you're not having the word do the fighting for you and reminding you what you've been called to, your faith will wear thin and the enemy will take territory. Helmet. Shield. sword. Praying in the Spirit. What is the purpose? The purpose of praying in tongues. Some of you can, some of you cannot. I don't know why some of you cannot. And we'll pray for you at the end of the service that God will touch and that you will pray in tongues but why I'm gonna give you the theology really quickly but we're gonna look at what the point of praying tongues really is and why didn't we have it beforehand why didn't they pray in tongues before so the tongues are obviously given out at Pentecost Uh, Acts chapter 2 I'm gonna give you the quick version because I still want us to pray for you Acts chapter 2 tongues of fire descend on them I um. I'd like to think that it wasn't small little flames I'd like to think that they were just covered in these two massive tongues of fire as they're being totally covered. Kind of like a burning bush experience where the bush doesn't burn, but it's the fire of God on them. Acts chapter 2, 6 to 8. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. So they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Suddenly tongues are ha- poured out, and what happens is there's a combination. We don't know what it was. could be either or, or both. But these guys are praying in tongues, because tongues are fire. That's where the name comes from. They're praying in a different tongue that's been released over them. People, and it gives you all, a whole list of different nations, they can hear their own language. Now, I don't know if each person was speaking in that language, or if these people could just have the gift of interpretation and know what was being said. But there's a place where gifts of tongues, a spiritual gift, part of the armor of God, is where you can speak a different language. A friend of mine, a, he was a very Afrikaans farmer. in South Africa, Afrikaans is a, it's, a, it's derived from Dutch. They only speak that language, that's what they know, and they're very loyal to their language. And this guy, who's a rugby player, he's about 19 years old, and he went to Israel on a rugby tour. No religion, no faith, nothing in Jesus. He goes on this rugby tour. And he's sitting, and there's a whole group of Japanese tourists. But they're a church group, and they're visiting all the sites where Jesus had visited, and they're speaking, and the Japanese guide tells them and shares the gospel with them because of the, I don't remember where they were. So this guy hears as this Japanese tour guide speaks Japanese, he understands exactly what's being said. In that moment when they make the altar call for salvation, he prays the sinner's prayer in Japanese and knows exactly what he's saying he got saved, he's never been able to speak again, it's not as if he was given the supernatural tongue, Um, and we, we went to church with him when we lived in Johannesburg many years ago he got saved through this exact kind of occurrence, where tongues made sense as a natural language that is not the norm that is an extreme case, I've got stories of quite a few of these extreme cases, that's what happens and remember when we read the Bible, we have to have the attitude it happened then, it can happen now it's not for then, it's for now. Next way tongues are used, it's a prayer language. 1 Corinthians 13:1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, then it carries on. There are two tongues language of men and angels. Language of men is what I just spoke about, language of angels is what's going to sound like gibberish. Have you heard that when people pray? And it just sounds weird. It doesn't make any sense. His parents went to a church, very traditional Methodist church, and the church just exploded, just in growth all of a sudden, just for no reason. Well, we didn't understand at the time, and then they said it's amazing. Our pastor prays in Hebrew before the service, and I heard it. I'm like, that's not Hebrew, people. <laughs> this very traditional Anglican church found themselves a spirit-filled reverend, and the place was changing. He was standing there praying in tongues. All foreign languages generally sound like gibberish. It does. Why? Have you heard it? People stand in church. And it's, I mean, there's a whole lot of Shandadas that will fall in there. And there's Kiaradas. And I don't know. There's a lot of Babas that will come out there. And people pray. And I've listened to some people praying. I'm like, that must sound dumb to even God. I don't believe that. And I've listened. I thought, I'm I'm sure they're making it up. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about before I was saved. I'm talking about some people now. And the ear this da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, da da, 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 da. i am like, is he, he morse codes in, in tongues. <laughs> because it sounds weird to the human ear. And I know all of you who pray in tongues, you have that thought, but is it entirely God or is a bit of it me? Obviously it's a bit of you. The Holy Spirit gives utterance, but it's us who release it. Of course, you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. And it's not God speaking to you. It's not the Father speaking to you. It's the Holy Spirit in me leading me to pray a godly prayer when stupid Derek is getting in the way. You want to pray a righteous prayer where all your political affiliations no longer matter? You want to pray a righteous prayer where all your foul language no longer gets in the way? You want to pray a righteous prayer where the issue with you and your wife are kind of... Not there... Uh, then you pray in tongues because it, it's no longer going through the filter of your issues. That's what it does. That's why you pray. If, then the very conservative will say, well, actually praying in tongues was only for those days and it was just really the translation of a language um, so that people could understand. Scripture tells me that if I pray in tongues, it builds me up and edifies me. I can speak Afrikaans. When I pray in Afrikaans, I don't feel built up or edified at all. It's not a foreign language. We get built up and edified when we pray in tongues. Why? It's because it's the purest form of having the Holy Spirit engage with me and being used in the easiest way. Life and death is the power of the tongue it would make sense that that is part of the radical gifting that God gives us. Life and death is in the power of me praying in tongues. Because it's no longer my words, but His. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke the universe into being, suddenly speaking through me. The creator of all who's got a perfect plan and design, suddenly I'm praying prayers that are on His heart there's also praying in tongues where people will come and share a tongue and they'll speak over the mic and they'll share it and then we keep quiet and in that moment somebody will have an interpretation not a translation interpretation for that tongue that's us praying to god by the way it's the holy spirit speaking and he's saying you guys need to rally and pray along these lines but my focus this morning and i just want to end off with this why would god want us to pray in tongues Why would this be one of the radical things that he gives his church? Why would he do this? Oh, he's going to build us up. I'm sure the Holy Spirit can build me up without me praying in tongues. There could have been a different system. Why, why do we get this exclusive language? I'm going to read this to you. Genesis 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks, burn them thoroughly, living stones. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They all have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. One language. It is the greatest unifying tool in the church to be able to have one language and pursue one purpose. God then comes and He changes speech. This is post noah as they're building the tower of babel there's something about a church that prays in tongues that will see the greatest level of unity and then nothing that is nothing we propose to do in christ will fall flat if you do not pray in tongues it's not a curse it's not your sin i have no idea it's not that i know that i don't know why and I've watched guys say, well, open your mouth. I don't, I don't see that in Scripture. If you do that and you start praying in tongues, I've known people that they get given one word. Heidi, you were given one word. She was given a phrase. I should say that phrase. Then it grew. I don't know how it works, but I do know that it works. I don't know how vitamin B12 works, but I know that if I take it at night at about 9 o'clock, I'm not sleeping until much later the next morning. It's the greatest unifying tool, is us having one language. It's the purpose of tongues being released over the church, the New Testament church, is that we can have one language, petitioning God, one spirit, with one voice, so we can see His mandate fulfilled in our lives, in our church, in our city, under one banner, King Jesus. You stand with me, please. The shield is for in the waiting, while you're waiting for the miracle. While you wait for the miracle, the shield. It's faith. While you are in the, you have the helmet, that's for transformation. The sword is for fighting in spirit. Prayer. Building up and Unifying. Now you've invited people to come visit church on a Sunday like this and I know with a, a baptism you may have visitors here and you are thinking please Lord do not have Derek have everyone pray in tongues that's going to be one of the prayers he's not answering for you today I believe this is something that we have to take slightly more seriously as a church feel that um, I don't want to embarrass anyone, please it's never my goal or ambition to embarrass or highlight or put the focus on the person, even in a positive way I want to stay away from people in that sense, but this morning I'm going to ask This is this is an idea and a strategy that I have, I'm going to ask that don't start yet I'm going to ask that if you pray in tongues you're going to pray quietly but audibly not just to yourself and as we're praying in tongues if you don't I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to loosen it it is not a special gift for the elite it is part of the armor of God you're allowed to have a Bible you're allowed to have faith you're allowed to have transformation by the renewing of your mind with the helmet of the hope of salvation you're called to live with the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth if you have been sold on the idea that it's only for a few the enemy is robbing you of an incredible weapon derek prince an incredible preacher who has passed on to be with the lord he speaks the sword is to fight the enemy close to you but praying in tongues is the intergalactic missile that takes down principalities and powers I want to ask you this morning. Do you want it? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to make this as easy for us as possible. The altar call has been made. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you've had an opportunity to respond. The only requirement that you have to receive tongues is to be born again. That's that's all. And we're not going to try and lift the roof praying in tongues. That's not the plan. But I want you, if you pray in tongues, just to quietly pray where you're at. And if you don't pray in tongues, you've never prayed in tongues, you might think it's weird, it's awkward, it's something you don't like. That's fine. Ask God to give it to you and to activate it. all pray with me, dear Lord God. I surrender to you this morning. I invite your Holy Spirit to ignite my mouth, to pray in the heavenly language. Now this is where I may be highlighting you ever so slightly. If you do not pray in tongues and you're desperate for it and you'd love someone to lay hands on you, because it says in Scripture that there was a laying on of hands that took place. Those that had been baptized in John's baptism but hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they went and they had people lay hands on them and there was something released over them. If you're trusting for that, if you're going, and you may have been prayed for 10 times or 50 times, I'm asking you this morning, if if it's something that you don't do, praying in tongues, but you want to, come to the front. There's no one's judging you. If you have any voice in your head saying no, this is not for you, this doesn't belong to you, it's a lie of the enemy, the enemy must be silenced this morning. Come to the front, we're gonna pray with you. You're the brave one. They are. They don't clap for any reason. You brave. The rest will now join you. You broke the ice. Well done well done well done let's come yeah I okay, don't clap for everyone rather instead of they going oh well done well oh that's so good no no everyone's going oh well done well done but you yourself need to come to the frontier and be prayed for we do these things oh they need that that person needs to pray in tongues they need themselves some Jesus this is not about being unsaved this is about being robbed by the enemy's lies where we don't get to operate in the fullness of what he's given us all right There are teenagers here this morning. You are hesitant to come forward. Now that's not me sharing that. That's someone else. That's Natasha that had that word. So it's not like I'm looking across the room at a whole lot of teenagers saying it should be you. But if you're a teenager, come to the front. How long do you want to fight the battle without all the weapons? What will they think? Please have the elders of Day Spring just come and lay hands. Scripture says very clearly that the laying on of hands that sees a release of the Holy Spirit. I want to say this: we're going to gonna They're going to keep praying. Something's going to happen. But I want to encourage you. Too often we convince ourselves we're not adequate enough or this isn't for us. That becomes a lie. But if you don't recognize the lie, it becomes a reality to you. You know what I'm saying? If you're convinced that it's okay that I don't pray in tongues. So can I ask everyone to close their eyes with me and I'm going to pray over us. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, for every person in this room this morning, every person that is joining us online, that not only are you igniting us with a fresh tongue, not only are you reminding us of the the value of praying in tongues, but Lord God, that we will develop a culture where we pray in tongues to see the enemy pushed back. We will pray in tongues to see ourselves built up and edified and strengthened. We will see ourselves released To pray and see strongholds broken where previously we've been terrified. Thank you, Lord God, for an incredible time in your presence this morning. We honor you, our King. You are faithful, you are trustworthy, you are good, and you are kind.